Welcome to the Nine of Cups, the Lord of Happiness, or the Lord of Material Happiness, which is the Golden Dawn name. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, and it's funny that they call it Material Happiness, given that this is cups, not not discs, not discs. But at the same time, there is definitely a, a sort of a legacy historically for this being just a card of being generally successful in life and having things come to you. Everybody loves to see this card. I remember one time you had gotten, we, we were doing like those haikus that were yeah, that guessing was fu- games. That was fun, yeah. Yeah, and, and we had to try and guess what cards uh, each of us got. And uh, and you did one, one day you had gotten three of swords and nine of cups. And it was like in retrospect, completely obvious. You did a great haiku about, you know, happy and sorrow. But I was like, now what could that possibly be? <laughs> but actually, that's something interesting to do is to contrast this card with the Three of Swords, because that's Saturn and this is Jupiter. That's a three and this is a nine. That's so They have a connection there. Right. And that's air, the mind, and this is water, emotions. So they really are kind of, in a way, really polar opposites. Anyway, so here we are with the so-called card of wishes, the Nine of Cups. And as we were saying, it's Jupiter ruling the second decan of Pisces. So this is a bit of a double card in a way, because classically, Jupiter is the ruler of Pisces. And as the greater benefic, we definitely see its effect here. Oh, yeah, it's it's very... uh... Thrilled to be here. It's good all around. It's expressing itself in the most positive way you can imagine, uh, as abundance, as openness, as wish fulfillment. Complete satisfaction. Showering gifts down. Jupiter's expansion, and it's placed on the Tree of Life right in the middle pillar, right at the foundation of Besod. Yeah. Where its expansiveness can expand in those (laughs) astral realms. And this is actually probably the best example of of the most Jupiterian card, right? Like in the way that the Four of Cups was the most lunar card, this is the most Jupiterian card because we haven't got a Jupiter and Sagittarius card. Right. We just have this. And it's, I think it's the fullest and and best expression of the water suit. You know, it's the penultimate before that, and, and well, 10 is called perfected success. We'll get to that one next, and it has some pitfalls in it. Whereas this card is just the pure, yeah. the pure emotional expression of joy. Right. And we often see with nine cards that they are the purest and most potent magical form yeah. of the expression of the suit. And this one's the best one which, we got. Which kind of makes <laughs> sense, you know, nine as a number of completion. Um, and birth, you know, the, the yeah. gestation cycle. Yeah, that makes sense. The so nine, the nine months in the womb, right? For something to come to fruition. So if you think about the other nines, you've you've got strength in wands, you've got happiness in cups, you've got cruelty in swords, and you have gain in discs. And you know, of those, I think ultimately I would take happiness. You know, <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't? Uh, you know, gain is great, but. Ultimately, what you want is What's more important is being happy. Yeah. This is the card that everybody wants. One thing we didn't talk about in the last episode when we were going over the Pisces symbolism is the glyph of Pisces is the two fish. Right. You know, moving in different directions, but kind of tied together with that crossbar Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Well, there's there's a mythology around that how the constellation Pisces of the two fish got its name and how it was derived. 
the symbol as well, and that it was Venus and Eros. So Eros was Venus's child, mm-hmm. and Venus and Eros were taking their leisure on the banks of a, a river or the ocean. I'm not sure which. And Typhon, probably the sea. Mm-hmm. Typhon, the monster, came up from the sea and frightened them. And so because of Venus's birth from the sea, she had the ability to change them into fishes. And they dove into the sea and she yoked her child to her with a, with a rope or something to keep them together as they escaped Mm -hmm. from Typhon and they were success, they successfully evaded him um, without a problem. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's supposedly why the two fish are are roped together. As well as the fish being a symbol of luck or wealth in many different cultures. Yeah. There's a lot of mythological stories about the fish granting wishes yes you know the the, the fisherman mm-hmm. catching a fish and getting you know his heart's desire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if only he lets the fish go if only he lets it go the right. talking fish usually yes usually the talking fish right. <laughs> right. fishes as granters of wishes and you know that's kind of cool because fish in general were, were thought to grant good things because of their Dominion over the realm of the ocean, they had access to all the treasures of the sea. You know, the shipwrecked piles right. of gold and jewels and, and hidden things under the sea were part yeah. of their domain. And so they had untold riches. Yeah. And they look like treasure too, you know, yeah. with their silver scales or gold scales or whatever. They look, you know, you can imagine glinting looking through the ocean. Uh, fish looks like something lucky. The time of year we're talking about, March 1st through March 10th, which may or may not include the leap day that precedes that. Right. The middle decan of Pisces, so it's the most stable and fullest expression of the sign. Mm -hmm. Of a not very stable sign. Exactly. (laughs) A mutable sign. Right. Right. But here it has a moment of, you know, the potential of Pisces is, is this kind of spiritual and sensual Mm -hmm. enjoyment. March, beginning of March, this is our in like a lion time, which is sort of Jupiterian, you know? (laughs) Sort of, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, that's sort of uh, uh, blustery, at least in this part of the world, blustery, raw, but with the the scent of something something new and fresh coming in. And then we have uh, the associated majors being fortune, the wheel of fortune, and the moon. Mm. So the thing about the moon, of course, is that it is a bringer of good or ill fortune, depending on how it's aspected. And if it's an aspect to Jupiter, you can be pretty sure that that's a good time. Right. Double Jupiter in this case. There's even something sexual about this card. So it's not only material satisfaction, it's not only good luck, Mm -hmm. and it is both of those to a huge degree, Mm -hmm. and emotional pleasure, but it's also, there's a sexual satisfaction here too, Mm -hmm. because of Yisod um, being the yeah. The sphere yeah. of the generative organs. Right. <laughs> the place where the magic happens. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting to think about the Jupiter card, the fortune card, as the outstretched palm of Kaf mm. and the moon as the back of the head. So, you know, um, well, on the one hand, you have the outstretched palm of Kaf there to receive the blessings of whatever right. the moon Or, or to chooses. hand out the blessings. That's exactly. really interesting. It's mm-hmm. almost as if the hand 
the palm is handing out the blessings that are from your subconscious, your deepest desires from mm-hmm. what you, you know, what you most want that maybe you're not even aware of. And here you mm. go. Yeah. The idea that your fondest wishes fulfilled in this way, it's there for you to receive. With the hanged man story that we've been talking about. So this makes me think of the, the pleasures of water, you know, cause water mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. essential in a very pleasurable thing and here we have you know the redemption the gift of water the the renewal of life you know water as the mother letter one of the mother letters the contents of the grail yeah i'm just going through the real quick the other jupiter cards we have jupiter and gemini interference or shortened force we have jupiter and leo uh victory we Mm -hmm. have jupiter and libra truce and then Jupiter and Capricorn change. So um, the the difficult one is Jupiter and Gemini, but uh, because it's in detriment. Yeah. Right. But um, but even that. But one, even then, it's said to yeah. prevail ultimately through you know yeah. the, the, the blessings of Jupiter through the blessings of Jupiter exactly. It's so, a temporary interference that one. <laughs> right. So temporary interference, victory, truce, and change, and. Happiness, of which, of course, we see happiness as being the most positive expression of Jupiter as a Deccan ruler in the numeric minors. The best of the best. The best of the best. There's such a emphasis on both sort of the lunar qualities and the, and, and the Jupiter qualities as messengers of chance, you know, as, uh, as expressing through randomness and through no virtue or vice of your own, you receive these things. Right. You know, uh, there's a, there's an unearned quality to the nine of cups, you know, maybe through previous karma, but there's, there's a quality of it just happens. If you are sigilizing or working or trying to do magic for luck, I would choose this card. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. Cause it's the card where you get your wish. Exactly. Let's see. Yesod of hay. So this is the, um, Kabbalistically, Yesod is the ninth Sephira, the Sephira of the moon. And then it is uh, of Hay, the second letter of the divine name, or in Bria, the creative world. The, in a way, this card is kind of an analog for magic itself. For I mean, for the kind of magic results, magic probability, yeah, wish fulfillment. Yeah. So you go to Yesod, you 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 go behind the curtain, you go mess around with a bunch of stuff, and then you try and get a result. <laughs> you know, and that's preferably the way that it happens um, in your subconscious. Which is, of course, a, a Pisces lunar uh, moon moon card type thing. You, yeah. So, so if you imagine what we do in magic, we basically assume that all things are possible, which is related to the moon card, but that we have a way of working behind the scenes, um, going up a level to Yesod, changing things around. And then what we receive when we're back in the real world comes to us as if through fortune, as if through fate. Yeah. So this is... And fortune itself yeah. is kind of like that, like all things are possible, all things can change. Yeah, right. Causing change in conformity with will. Right. Isn't it... Uh, something that people say of the tree is that the things that are thought of or dreamt in the world above are the reality of the world below. So what is dreamt up in Bria becomes a reality in Yitzhira, you know, and same thing with Yesod, you know, what's dreamt up in Yesod becomes reality in Malkut. That relationship between the wish and the reality is kind of happening right in this card. One thing I read about Yesod that I thought was really cool 
in relation to this card, it talked, it called Yisod itself the Holy Grail. And it said that it was the point of fusion between planes where a receptacle is made in lower consciousness that can serve as a container or giver of form to the forces of higher consciousness. Hmm. Because, you know, you so does that point between Malkut and the rest of the tree, and it is that astral plane where magic can happen. So yeah. it, it's it's the grail itself that can contain those higher consciousness forms and give them shape. Yeah. I thought that was cool. It's if everything is funneled into there. So this is interesting because we all often call this card the card of wishes, but that is originally a cardomantic interpretation, I think. So in uh, in playing card nomenclature, they actually do call the nine of hearts the card of wishes. And like, you know, all hearts, all cups, they're deemed to be fairly fortunate, generally favorable, even the five to some extent, they call that a fat sorrow, you know, a sorrow that also brings you good things. So, you know, in general, the suit of cups is considered to be uh, fortunate, and this card, the most fortunate of all. Atea called this the card of victory. So we think of that as six of wands, but many people consider the nine of cups to be the card of victory. Um, it says, this card is always of good omen for men of war, soldiers, it announces a great advantage over your enemies. And if it's reversed, it predicts a success in business. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and loyalty in those in your employees. And, you know, actually, if you look at the weight description, he actually says it's a good augury for military men, but he's borrowing from Atea there. In the, in the Deccan imagery, there's definitely a little bit of a slightly negative connotation in the sense that there's a, there's a little bit of arrogance or smugness. To yeah. It. Well, that's, you know, this card almost never means anything bad, but the only thing I've ever seen that it could be is some conceit. Yeah. Is there a virtue and vice of Yasod that's yeah, appropriate? Yeah, uh, the virtue is independence mm-hmm. and the vice is idleness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which makes sense, <laughs> right? right? Right. Just taking your, your good things for granted, your blessings yeah. for granted. But it says that even if um, there's conceit that the person is still kind, high-minded, and generous. Right. Even right, if they're right, right. somewhat smug. Exactly. So the actual image from the Picatrix is a man upside down with his head below and his feet raised the up. hanged man. Yeah, right. Exactly. And in his hand is a tray from which the food has been eaten. So that's interesting. There's definitely an enjoyment of life quality. Mm-hmm. I was just looking up in Picatrix about some of the qualities of the moon. And they specifically talk about appetite, about, you know, literal appetite for good food being something that you associate with the moon as well as journeys and travel and safe passage, that kind of thing. There is supposed to be great reward uh, as a signification of this image, uh, strong will in things that are high, serious and thoughtful, mm-hmm. as well as self praise. So there's the sort of uh, self satisfaction aspect that goes into this. In Agrippa, he says it's a a woman of good countenance and well adorned. Um, And again, there's a little bit of a, in the signification, there's a little bit of smugness or arrogance going on to desire and put oneself on about high and great matters. Mm. So although, you know, we don't see too much of that 
in the modern interpretations, I know that in Book T they do say something about about vanity, vanity, but still being good at heart. Yeah, it, it mentions I think uh, popularity and and rich living, but also having a social conscience. Yeah, yeah, a good generous nature, but maybe foolish. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll talk about the Falstaff analogy when we get to yeah. Rider Waite Smith card. Yeah, and I think that idea, high, serious, and thoughtful, that I think has something to do maybe with the qualities of Jupiter, the interest in larger things and philosophy, well, yeah. belief systems, why things are the way they are, asking the big questions in life, sort of striving for the whys. The I mean, the question why and trying to come up with answers. Well, the other thing, and this is, I just want to foreshadow this a little bit, is that there can be an element of subterfuge as well with this card. It's, there's no intimation of danger, but, uh, but there's, but there's definitely a quality of not revealing everything. All right, so that makes sense in a way. As as fish are under the ocean, you know, they right. they don't come right. up very often. <laughs> yeah, and I think in general with interactions with fortune, much is hidden. Right? It's sort of like you you hope for luck, but until it happens, it's all a secret. All right, spin the wheel <laughs> and see what you get. Right, and maybe that makes actually a good segue into the Rider Waite Nine of Cups, where you see the arch uh, behind the guy, which is covered. It's like a banquet table that you can't see behind. So that you don't know what's behind there. And I, I know that uh, actually Marcus and Tally have, they like to alter the cards sometimes to sort of play games with them. And, and they actually use that uh, backdrop as a theater curtain, you know, for a what's behind. Theater. We take what's behind curtain number <laughs> one, two, or three. Exactly. Exactly. Wheel of fortune. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you got that. Reference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Children of the seventies. So here we have the guy who is dressed in his long robes. He's a portly fellow and his red hat likes and his feather. Good food. Likes his good food. Exactly. Um, He's got nine glasses of wine behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's running out here. Yeah. Yeah. And he's said to be a figure of Falstaff, who, of course, was the portly advisor to Prince Hal in uh, Henry the Fourth. The Fourth. His history was being the page to the Duke of Norfolk. Uh, so a, a figure who was always around wealth and privilege, who essentially indulged himself at every opportunity. <laughs> so Waite said of this figure, a goodly personage has feasted to his heart's content. Abundant refreshment seems to indicate the future is assured. And this is, again, one of those red feather cards. Yeah, I was yeah. noticing that and wondering if it brought in the fool a little bit. The fool yeah. and also the sun card, yep. right? Because the right. sun's got the, the sun kid with the sun the... child. Right. Which right. makes sense because, you know, Yiso does have that direct line to Tiferes. Right. The sphere of the sun. And I think whenever we see the red feather, that's indicative of life buoyed aloft, you know, uh, life floating on, um, floating on and fortune. And it's a particularly full, yeah. full and fluffy red feather here. Yeah. <laughs> As if, you know, and the fact that it's on his head, that means this is, this is the thing he's thinking about. This is the thing that is most important to him, that the enjoyment of life is foremost on his mind. Yeah, when you see this guy, he definitely, to me, looks like, a successful merchant. 
Yeah. And that not only is he enjoying success, he's performing success. Because if you look at the way he's sitting, there's sort of like a, you know, about to break out into a Cossack dance, like definitely, <laughs> yeah. like check me out. Yeah. You know, he yeah. wants to be noticed. Yep. His fatness, he's exaggerating with his posture. Yeah, that's you know. Jupiter exaggeration mm-hmm. and, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And there's. And popularity. Yeah. Yeah. There's, he sees himself as being on a stage. This is. He's self-conscious, uh, but in a positive, uh, healthy ego kind of a way. The, the arch of the cups also, I think, is associated with two things. And we'll talk about the geomantic figure more when we get to the Thoth card, but it's an arch-shaped geomantic figure. And also that arch is uh, connected to the rainbow of the Ten of Cups. So when we see the Nine of cups with those that figure that formation of the arch behind him it's almost as though that is going to transform in the 10 to the to the rainbow arch overhead yeah and there's something about archways as being kind of triumphal yeah and the way it points to the sky as Mm. well then he's he's kind of like half perched on this very solid looking bench yeah which kind of made me think of isod as the foundation yeah the idea that um everything is based there yeah, the yeah. whole tree is kind of held up. And his feet are solidly planted on the ground at mm. the same time. So, you know, maybe that's a reference to the way the, the good things can be funneled through Yasod into happiness almost perfect is what they say yeah. in the Golden Dawn. Right? Yeah, I mean, nothing can achieve perfection. Right. But this is as close as you can get. That's right. Because once you've achieved the thing, then you're in satiety. Then you're at the point where it's almost overripe, right? There has to be that quality of a little bit of anticipation for it to be perfect. So it's like the emotional perfection. You know, you're going to get it. Depends on it not quite being complete. Yeah. Right. And that's the, that's the perfect moment. Just looking at the cards themselves and the relationship to the major arcana, the Wheel of Fortune and the Moon, it really picks up, the Nine of Cups card in Rider-Waite-Smith really picks up on the colors of the moon, I think, that bright yellow and the blue. Although the yellow Mm -hmm. is really a solar color as well. Yeah, it is. And the blue is the Jupiterian influence. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the red of life. Right. You can imagine the roundness of the cups is being part of, you know, that top part of the wheel as you're rounding yeah, the bend Yeah, you're, you're there. at the top. When yeah, you're sort of like you're the, the six top. of wands. You yeah, know. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And he's wearing a white robe, which makes me think of mm. Keter. Mm-hmm. You know, and Esod is on that middle pillar through connected to uh, Tifereth mm-hmm. and Keter. And you could think of this almost as, you know, this luck is a sort of divine grace. yeah. Yeah, the reflected light of the moon reflects the divine grace. Yeah. Right, reflecting the sun Mm -hmm. and what's beyond. Mm -hmm. And what's beyond, yeah, the pure light of Keter. Yeah, I mean, maybe the idea that because he's clothed in white, it's not like he's, this is not a story about inherent virtue. It's about received or reflected virtue. All right, so um, onwards to to Lady Frida's card, the very beautiful it Very is purple. Gor- it is gor- gorgeously uh, stylistic. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we always look in thought about, like, what's the status of the flowers? Every cup has a flower. Every and cup a flower for one. every cup. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all overflowing. There's yep. plenty for everybody. Right. And it's golden, golden 
You know, the flowers are golden, the, yeah. the, the waters are golden, the stems are golden. And the other thing that strikes me is that notice how like the, the cups and the whole picture is like crowded to the edge of the frame. Mm-hmm. Every bit that can be filled is filled. It's as expansive as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. And the colors are just beautiful. The beautiful purples and golds. Yeah, very gorgeous. regal. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a Jupiter thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, picking up on emperor, the wheel colors. You know, the royal purple of an emperor. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Not, not the not the emperor, but the idea of Jupiter as the king. You know, the Zeus. Right, figure. right, right. This is almost a Tyrian purple, which he's got going on here. And that kind of reminds me of what uh, Crowley said of this card. He said, the wine is poured by Ganymede himself. <laughs> the, the nectar. The nectar of the gods. Yes, Ganymede, the cupbearer, was a young hero of Troy who uh, was so absolutely beautiful that Zeus himself, and, and Zeus is Jupiter, as we know, mm-hmm. so brings Jupiter back in. Uh, Zeus himself fell in love with him and abducted him because he was just so physically beautiful. He made him immortal, which is, Zeus didn't often make his, his lovers or his infatuations immortal. Right. So that was a right. very rare honor. Mm-hmm. He made him immortal and made him the cupbearer of the gods. So he got to pour the wine, right. the nectar, the ambrosia in Mount Olympus and yeah. so serve it, serve it to the gods. Talk about your wish come true. I mean, it's a lot better than like being made into a constellation or a tree. Well, actually, he was, he was, he was made into a constellation. He was made into the constellation Aquarius, the, oh, wa- okay, that's the water the bearer. bearer of course. And so then yeah. that, again, that ties in the idea of this connection between the constellations of Aquarius and Pisces as the, the, the water bearer Aquarius is pouring, like we talked in the last mm-hmm. episode, it, mm-hmm. the water bearer is pouring the water into the mouth of the fish. He talks about sort of how the, and this is something nice that Crowley does. He often talks about how the, the Sephira works out in the planetary and Sephira combinations. Like he says that the card restores stability lost by the excursions into Netzach and Hode from the middle pillar. So this is like where we have that balance restored yeah. by going back into Yesod in the middle yep. pillar. He calls it the culmination and perfection of the original force of water in its highest material manifestation. That's a little bit orotund, but it is just like, you know, water doing the best it can and everything yep. that you can uh, hope for. And he said that also uh, that Chesed represents water in its highest material manifestation. So I guess the idea that after the supernals, you have the world of Bria, which is the world of water. And that's where Chesed. The uh, Jupiter. Right. The Jupiter influence. Right. Right. Is the uh, Jupiter Chesed is the is oh, the highest of that. This is mm-hmm. this is just going back to the Ganymede thing. That's mm-hmm. also the name of one of the moons of Jupiter. Ah, uh, right. So you have that yeah. Jupiter Ganymede relationship yeah. right in there. Yeah. Right. True wisdom, self fulfilled in perfect happiness. Mm. So he also says, and again, there's this frustrating thing of him not having assigned geomantic figures to everything. But uh, but this is associated with Lytitia, the uh, the geomantic figure meaning happiness, and that makes sense because it's also associated with Jupiter specifically in Pisces. So um, Jupiter in Sagittarius is acquisitio where it's Jupiter direct, whereas this is supposed to be Jupiter retrograde. I don't know about the retrograde, but but this is literally supposed to be the, the most fortunate. Or Jupiter as the nocturnal dignity. Nocturnal than, dignity, than, than right. The, yeah. 
And we think of Jupiter as being the insect. Jupiter is the benefic of the day chart, not the night chart. But the thing about Laetitia is that, you know, that translates as happy or laughing or bearded, which is, (laughs) right, you know, because of Jupiter, Jupiter, I guess, that sort of kingly... Chin hairs of Zeus. <laughs> By the chin hairs of Zeus. <laughs> uh, the Greeks called this anoferes, which means bearing up. So you can see it in the shape, that sort of like lifting quality, that lifting up into the air, elevating like a column of, you know, hot, moist air. And that, that shape of the arch is something that we see, you know, in the spilling from the cups. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Thoth card as well. Yeah, as you do the see these cards. archways. Mm-hmm. Look, there's many archways in mm-hmm. there. And the arch as uh, a form so stable, it needs no mortar, right? The stable decan of the mutable sign. And the purple colors in the card are kind of a Dionysian thing. For sure. Yeah, yeah. that kind of revelry. Yeah, this is a definitely a card of wine and festivity. Yeah, wine is like a celebratory thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So looking at the uh, Thoth's fortune and moon cards, I mean, it, there's some sort of relationship of the fortune card in terms of color, but it doesn't look a great deal like either one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks more like the fortune card because of the similarity of colors. yeah. And there's also, actually, if you look at the fortune card, the lightning that's coming down on either side, that has sort of an arch formation. Yeah, kind as of. As well, that's sort of echoed in the uh, the light spilling from the cups and the nine of cups. And there's also that arch at the top of the moon card. See mm-hmm. that arch between yeah. the two towers? And it kind of echoes the arch in the nine of cups. Yeah, it's almost like a mirror. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just wanted to sort of bring in, I guess, at this one, because I can't think of any other better point to do it. The, um, so in 36 Faces, Austin talks about this as the net, you know, uh, as capturing the, the fish. Yeah, right? I was just about to say the net where, you, where the fisherman captures the talking wish-granting fish. Right, <laughs> right, right. So you have this like perfect matrix of nine cups, you know, capturing the blessings being thrown off by the wheel into the sea of the moon. <laughs> um, but he also brings up Apparently in 36 heirs of the Zodiac, which is a Hellenistic text I have been unable to unearth, and I would like to because there's a lot of great stuff in it, apparently. This Deccan is associated with Dolos, the diamond or the spirit of trickery. Dolos was, in depending on which text you look at, was either the child of Gaia and Aether, uh, so Earth and Air, yeah. or Erebus and Nyx, so like... Two forms of dark, darkness yeah, and night, night. right? Yeah. So, um, uh, and and Dolos apprenticed with Prometheus. And so this is the story in Prometheus Bound that Dolos, uh, when he was apprenticing with Prometheus, he was uh, so taken with Prometheus's work. Prometheus was creating the statue of Aletheia, Truth beautiful goddess. And when the master is away, the apprentice will play. So Prometheus, in his absence, Dolos took some clay and tried to make a statue just like Aletheia, but he ran out of clay. So she had no feet. Now, how he got her to stand without feet, I don't know. But he ran out of clay 
And Prometheus walked in, and rather than being angry, he was actually quite taken with how good an artifice the god of trickery, you know, had made of his truthfulness. But you could always tell because she had no feet when when the statues were given life, she stumbled and she was called falsehood, pseudologos. So the statue would stumble and that's how you could distinguish her from Aletheia. But I just thought that was so evocative because the feet and Pisces, right? Pisces is rules over the feet. And this is this is the decan in which you learn to distinguish truth from falsehood through the stumbling or sure-footedness. Yeah, and yeah. Pisces, the sign itself, has a lot to do with discerning truth from illusion. Yeah, we think of the moon as a creator of illusions, and also Neptune, you know, who is mm. the modern ruler of truth Pisces. Truth can be slippery, just like a fish. Right. <laughs> just thought, I couldn't think of where else to put that, so I'm just putting it there. Perfect. Um, so shall we move on to your card? Sure. Oh, boy. Oh, There's a lot of this. stuff. This is so great. They're so jam-packed else. with good stuff. <laughs> so much from the fortune cards. Yeah, so yeah. Um, the three creatures from the fortune card are mm-hmm. are showing up in, in this card. So you have the ring-tailed lemur wearing his lunar crescent crown, and that's you know, maybe you sewed there with the lunar mm-hmm. crescent. Then you have the owl, the three-eyed owl with his crown, which is more of a Jupiterian-style crown. And then you have the hand serpent, which in this case is now holding the large half of the wishbone, <laughs> uh, showing that, you know, you win. <laughs> so I'm sure everybody knows the tradition about Breaking mm-hmm. a wishbone, and if you get the big half, you get your wish. In the uh, British Isles, it was called the Merry Thought. Really? Um, yeah, the cu- the yeah. custom of breaking a wishbone is really old, and it goes back to Roman times, and the earliest is from the British Isles, where that's what they called it. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. You know, getting mm-hmm. your wish is a merry thought. Yeah. Then we've got uh, several kinds of cups here. So the um, two in the front... The, the curvy ones, the, mm-hmm. the larger kind mm-hmm. of horn shaped ones were called rightons. And that comes. Oh, what, how do you spell that? I'm interested. R-H-Y-T-O-N. Okay. Not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how you spell it. <laughs> yeah. That's from a Greek word that means from the flowing. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and they were used for ceremonial offerings. But then the cups above are a type of cup called a mazer, a Northern European thing that was used for um, celebrations and given out as prizes. And they usually <laughs> had an, an inscription around the edge that was something to do with the bacchanalia. But these cups also in Greece were called a kylix. And those cups had, when you'd finished drinking out of them, the bowls, I guess you'd mm-hmm. call them rather than a cup. When you finished drinking out of them, at the bottom, there was a scene to surprise you. And they were <laughs> often of a humorous or sexual nature. <laughs> and uh, they were, you know, used in festivals and uh, at the symposium, which was a, a drinking party of uh, discourse. So, so when you were doing the cup suit, did you kind of look up all different kinds of cups? Yeah, actually mm-hmm. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you do that for all the other uh, suits as well? Look up, you know, all different kinds of swords? Not necessarily. Yeah, because yeah, it's different. Maybe at, at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a few swords cards where the different types of swords were important. And one of them was the um, the seven of swords. Mm-hmm. The types mm-hmm. of swords were specific to the card in that case. Neat. 
Yeah. So, and I, I think it would be especially, it would matter more in cups and swords, which are really made objects in the way that wands aren't. I mean, and discs are, but it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have the fish. And so mm-hmm. the two fish in the center of the card are forming Pisces, are forming the glyph of Pisces. They're mm-hmm. kind of connected in the middle and they're next to each other, one going up and one going down. The waves at the bottom of the card, I wanted to give them just the impression of dancing. You yeah. know, that, that yeah. they look like happy little waves to yeah. me. They don't look foreboding or, you know, right. or and churning. They just look dancing and happy. And they look, you know, kind of like stylized in the Japanese style hook Yeah, I'm waves. a huge yeah. fan. So yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I borrowed his lovely yeah. uh, stylistic waves because yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, were they particular kind of fish? Ah, uh, yeah. Are they? Hmm, I forget now. <laughs> Were they koi fish? Maybe mm. or goldfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not sure. But um, which would represent wealth? Yep. There's a total of nine of them. Which that's the. Oh, really? Yep. There's nine fish on the card in total. Oh, um, yeah. So there's one for each cup. Mm-hmm. And in feng shui, nine is the luckiest number of fish to keep in your pond or your fish tank um it's supposed to bring good fortune if you have nine fish yeah and that you know fish in a cup thing of course reminds me of the page of princess of cups yeah where you always have the fish in a cup who can be either a vision or a dream or a wish Mm-hmm. You know, and also it looks as though, so you must have deliberately had them in sort of a tree of life formation minus Malkut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the wishbones in the position of Malkut. So the, yeah. the wish has been brought down to the material plane. Okay, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And I like the idea of bone as being a Malkut thing, you know, because bone being very Saturnine. Yeah. And very much of yeah, the body. Structure, yeah, yeah. The structure of the body. Yeah. That that's makes cool. sense. Was that on purpose? <laughs> Everything's on purpose on some level, whether on you're aware of by it accident. or not. <laughs> whose purpose? Now, who's to say whose purpose it was? Because the muse sometimes has its own purpose. Always. <laughs> oh, and the colors. I yeah. suppose this is the time for the colors. Oh, yes. And you can really see a nice blend of your moon and fortune cards, I think. Especially the fortune one. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of Jupiter colors. So it, we've got the, uh, the main color of the card, which is violet um, for... The queen scale of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the colors of the moon card, which are crimson, buff flecked, silver white, light transparent, pinkish brown, and stone. And you can see those colors in the fish, actually. Oh, yeah. And if you look, the rest of the card is in the colors of Jupiter, which again, violet, purple tinged blue, bright purple, and blue rayed yellow. Okay, where's the blue, red, yellow? The cups have the they're they're okay. the bright blue with the yellow banding. Oh, the yes. yellow banding serves as the the rays. Yeah, a lot my times, printout was black and white. A lot of times when I was painting these cards, you know, with the rayed and flecked colors, sometimes they're more hinted at than you know directly mm-hmm. like streaking something. So yeah. for the blue, red, yellow, I put the yellow bands on the blue cups. Yeah. Rather yeah. than, you know, taking something and streaking it. Yeah. Artistically, yeah. It, it isn't always a good idea to, to right. do that. And such a contrast between, you know, the fullness of these cups and the previous card, the Eight of Cups, where, you, you know, they were not capable of holding anything. <laughs> yeah. The cups, you know, the, the water's 
coming out of the mouths of the two fish at the top. And mm-hmm. it's like, I like the arch, there's the archway shapes of the waters there too mm-hmm. that we were talking mm-hmm. about. So you see that there's like three, three main arches in the card. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely both in your card and in the Thoth card, there's sort of a weaving together, which makes me think of sort of the fabric of fortune in a way, you know, a matrix of interconnected between all of the cups. What about moon influences on this card? Well, the moon influences are the fish Mm -hmm. for Pisces. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot more Jupiter than moon in the card, but Mm -hmm. since the moon is the card of Pisces, there's a heck of a lot of fish in here. I figured that was good enough. Yeah. Plus the owl itself is, you know, a lunar creature, which that's Mm -hmm. appropriate for the Jupiter card as well. Mm -hmm. And it is a double Jupiter card after all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that might be why so much Jupiter comes through. (laughs) Plus you're Jupiterian. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Practical applications. You know, I'm always happy to see this card, but... Mm -hmm. It really does and has several times predicted your desire coming true, your wish coming true. Wow. More than once I've gotten this card and it's, and it's to me, I, I immediately was like, yep, you're going to get your wish. And then I just knew that that thing was going to happen. And every time I've gotten this card, it has never failed me. And when I've gotten it, wow. I've gotten that wish. How great. Do you remember any specific examples of what you wished for? I do, but I don't want to talk okay. about them on air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it is yeah. very reliable. I haven't had that so much. Um, for me, it's more getting to do something I really enjoy, you know, which is rare enough. You know, as I've been chronicling these things, it's usually like a litany of, oh, I'm exhausted. Oh, I'm doing too yeah, much. Tell oh, me about blah, it. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, you know, literally, I was really surprised to see the consistency of how much happiness and good fortune and like enjoyable things were going on uh, with this card and everything from just kids not fighting to, um, you know, making, literally making cookies <laughs> or getting to go to an excursion somewhere, go visit a museum, go swim in the river, go listen to music, you know, for as long as I wanted. I had a Cole Porter fest one day when I got this beautiful full moons, just very pleasant experiences and just giving into them, you know, rather than trying to fight it or say, well, I haven't deserved this yet or earned it. Just going with it, going with the flows. I often tell people when I see this card in readings outside there in the world, I'll say that, you know, this card represents the wish itself rather than the fulfillment of it. But I feel like I can go a little bit further with it. I think I've it's seen okay. It be the fulfillment yeah. of it. You know, this card is interesting because with the the three of cups abundance, there's that little bit of warning, like okay, enjoy it while it lasts. Mm-hmm. With this one, it's just like here, you're gonna get it handed to you. Yeah, just don't get a fat head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't tell you enjoy it while it's last. It might go away. It just yeah. says yes, you get your wish. Here you go. Here you go. Yep card of wishes. Oh, and I've also gotten this on uh, days when it thunderstorms, which Jupiter. is Jupiter yeah. and rain and stuff. Zeus throwing his thunderbolts. Yeah, for more like spitting rain type things, I get the three of swords just because it's just the way it looks in Rider-Waite-Smith and somehow that lodged into my myth-making machine. But but this one's good for thunderstorms, which I really enjoy personally. <laughs> I do too. They're refreshing. They are. Now we can sum it up then. Okay. All right. So the themes we've talked about for this card. Enjoying the good life. The luck associated with fortune and the moon. Laetitia, the geomantic figure indicating happiness 
almost perfect pleasure. True wisdom self-fulfilled in perfect happiness. Popularity, rich living, and a social conscience. Feasting and refreshment. The Holy Grail as the receptacle of Yisod, where higher consciousness is given form. The magic behind the curtain, leading to reality in this world. The fisherman's net that captures the wish-granting fishes. <laughs> the wish-granting talking fishes. <laughs> the double Jupiter. The thunderstorm. Ganymede, the cupbearer of the gods, pouring the nectar and ambrosia. Falstaff, indulging in wine, women, and song. The successful merchant. Dolos, the diamond of trickery. Um, the difference between truth and falsehood. The merry thought, or the big half of the wishbone. Mazers, ritens, and kylix. <laughs> Celebratory cups. Arches and arched columns. Foreshadowing the rainbow. The twin fish. The stability restored on the middle pillar. Water in its highest material manifestation. Yeah, the hanged man as the water of the grail. Our cups runneth over. Yes, they do. <laughs> All righty. Okay, so that has been uh, the very delightful Nine of Cups. Almost sorry to say goodbye to it. <laughs> we will be back next week with the tilting and spilling, overflowing Ten of Cups. <laughs>